This is the Life and Times of Video Game Soundbite, and my name is Richard Moss. This time around, I'm sharing the wisdom of John Kimmock, who was a key figure at Microsoft Game Studios back in the late 1990s and early 2000s. At one point in an interview I conducted with him earlier this year, John started telling me about how burnout is pretty much inevitable at the end of long development cycles. But on rare occasions, a game is so good that its team becomes immune to this problem. Like with the original Age of Empires, which after two years of constantly playing and replaying and working on improving the game, still commanded the attention of everyone at both Ensemble Studios, the developer, and Microsoft's games group, the publisher. At the end of the day, five or six o'clock, you know, we're done for the day, the time when people should normally be going home. Everybody's staying around the office playing multiplayer Age of Empires against each other, beating each other's brains out in this game. After they'd been working on it for a couple years and they should be burned out on it. That experience of, for about a, maybe a month and a half, two months of like, every night at five o'clock, people would stop what they were doing and play age, not because we needed to find bugs in it necessarily, but because they were just having fun and they had lost to this person last night and tonight, damn it, I'm going to make sure that I just crush them. I'm going to rush them and crush them in the first five minutes of the match. This includes even people who you'd think would never do this kind of thing. And for Microsoft, it was a new experience to have a product so great that the people most likely to be sick of the sight of it didn't want to clock out at the end of the day. This would prove to be a huge learning experience for Microsoft. And then when Age of Empires turned out to be a huge, massive hit in keeping with the behaviours of their development, quality assurance and production teams during pre-release, they changed their processes in an effort to identify more products with this magic. And it wouldn't be long before they found another one. So that was age. And then there came this time at the end game of the first Xbox. So we're down to the last month, six weeks before we have to send the games off to replication to lock and load. And we had that same experience with Halo, where at the end of the day, you know, five o'clock comes, everybody's everybody's playing multiplayer Halo or you know, they're playing solo Halo, uh, playing with each other. And it was just like all across, not just the games group, but like everybody within Microsoft who could get their hands on a dev kit uh, was, was playing it. And we had that we had that same intuition at that point of like, yeah, we got it's got the magic. And at this same time, or maybe slid before this time, we'd had this experience coming out of E3 where we had gotten a lot of less than positive feedback from traditional console press about the state of the game. And there was this tension within the organ marketing organization and the organization generally about, okay, which is going to be the, the 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 flagship game? Is it going to be Munch's Odyssey, or is it going to be Halo? And there was a contingent 
of folks who would who were saying it's going to be a console platformer because that's what console gamers love. We're making a console, and so it's going to be a kind of game that that audience of players is familiar with. And then there was another contingent who was like, nope, I've been playing this game and I've been seeing people play Halo and, you know, it's got the magic. Whatever you may think of Munch, this game, you know, we, we can see the player behavior and it's clearly got the magic. And if it, you know, when it gets in people's hands, they're going to tell their friends and it's, it's, it's going to be a beast. And, um, you know, of course, the rest is history. I mean, that's pretty much exactly what happened. But again, it sort of goes back to show you that you, you kind of know based on, because at the end of the day, you know, a game publisher is comprised of gamers. You know, some of them are super hardcore, some of them may not be, but they're all people who have an affinity and like to play games. And when they're playing your game, when they could be playing something else, when they're playing your game after they've been playing it for a year and a half and they still want to keep playing it, that's a pretty good sign. And so as, a, as, as independent game developers, uh, I always tell independent game developers, you know, that's sort of the, that's the behavior that you, you, you want to be looking for. And, it, you know, not every independent game developer is, is, you know, may just be like two people. So like, it's a, it's such a small sample set that it doesn't really count, but that, that kind of behavior is, is always what you want to look for. Cause it's, you know, it, it's a sign that you've got something great. <laughs>